Hello everybody, I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb and this is the Transporter Room, the convergence of sports, science fiction, gaming, nerd geek chicness, fantasy, and other stuff. And this is our first show after the Olympics. But the fun's not over. The Paralympics start on August 24th and we're going to keep tabs on those alongside our entire Outsports family. But despite the worries, the fans not being allowed, and those early morning start times for key events, the Tokyo Olympics was quite eventful, especially for the bumper crop of out loud and proud LGBTQ athletes. 183 out athletes, all time mark. 56 of those were medal winners. 32 total medals won by Team LGBTQ. 11 of them were gold. One of them now worn proudly by the first transgender non-binary Olympic medalist, Quinn Midfielder, Canada Women's Soccer. There was one world record broken by Team LGBTQ, and that was Yulimar Rojas of Venezuela in the triple jump. And if Team LGBTQ was a country, where would they rank? You know, there's disagreement about that. Now, the IOC ranks the medal count by the number of golds won. Now, the American media ranks by total medals. Now, in gold, the LGBTQ by the IOC's ranking was 7th. In total team medals, the way that people like the New York Times do it, the LGBTQ team was 10th. But I'm cutting through all that. I want to introduce the Carly Olympic Index. It's a point system. 10 points for gold, 5 points for silver, 1 point for bronze. And Team LGBTQ with 179 points was 7th. Not too shabby, not shabby at all. But the Olympics are now over. Athletes have made their way back to their home nations and even though there's been a lot of positive things, some negative things don't change. Case in point, Belgium. And a person who definitely could have won a Monica Roberts Shut Up Fool Award. Now, on the VRT, Belgium's public Flemish language broadcaster, there was a special live stream event this past Saturday of their athletes coming home. And among those coming back was Belgium's women's basketball team. They had quite an eventful Olympics. They suffered a heartbreaking loss in the tournament quarterfinal to the eventual silver medalist, Japan. 86-85 in a barn burner game. If you get a chance to see a repeat of it, do so. Now, during a moment where the commentators were off air, but the mics were still hot, their lead commentator, Eddie Dimarez, well-known sports journalist in Belgium, and the co-presenter of the network's flagship sports show, is having a conversation with some colleagues within range of the mics. And he's talking about the Belgian women's basketball team, also known as the Belgian Cats. One of his comments was, quote, I think there's only one straight among those cats. Oh, my. And then it went from bad to worse. The conversation steered to physical appearance. And one of the players mentioned was Emma Messiman. Now, Messiman is a top player on the team including a, stop, a few stops in the WNBA, their most recent 20 games with the Washington Mystics during the Wubble season last year. 
During this time, as Demarez is saying these things, a colleague noticed that the mics were still hot and everything he was saying was going out on the air. Now, as a result, Basketball Belgium, the national governing body for the sport, not happy. And the members of the team were livid. Want to know how livid? You can see the tweets. There's a link to the stories I did on this on Monday. Now, one player who knows a thing or two about this is Ann Waters. WNBA fans know this person. In 2000, she was the draft pick of the Cleveland Rockers. Remember them? She's been a veteran of EuroLeague, the WNBA, and international play for 20 years. She's also an out lesbian. And she told the VRT on Monday, quote, Personally, it doesn't hurt me to the core anymore, but I can imagine that younger people will have more of an, an issue with it. Such talk doesn't belong anywhere, not even in a cafe, as I sometimes read now. Now, Demarez did the dance on Saturday night after he did it, put forth the apology. The team's response? Nah, son. They rejected that apology and an entreaty from Demarez that he and the team can meet and have a dialogue. At least for right now. And the VRT has him on indefinite suspension. For basketball Belgium, that's not good enough. In a statement put forth by the governing body and the Belgian Cats, a joint statement on Sunday, it reads, quote, At Basketball Belgium and among the Belgian Cats, the question is whether someone with such opinions can still credibly act as a presenter and figurehead for our public broadcaster. We are convinced that the answer is no. And we therefore urgently request that Mr. Demarez resign as a journalist and if he refuses, that the VRT terminate his employment contract. Also, the national anti-discrimination watchdog in the country is investigating this. Now, a memo to Mr. Demarez. Sir, it's 2021. Conversation like yours isn't going to fly anywhere. And as a journalist, I say, good. Now, you're going to have a little support out there. There are going to be some Twitter knuckleheads that will say that what you said is fine and that the belt and that the women's team is oversensitive or they're being wokest or whatever type of drivel you're going to come up with. Mr. Demarez, you should resign. In short, Shut up, fool. Now, once again, going to go back to something positive. Of 183 Team LGBTQ athletes, 36 are Americans. I want to send a quick shout out and a quick note to them as well. First, congratulations. As my dad would say, you done good. You done real good. But I'd like to ask all of you a favor. I'd like you to fire off a note to your congressman and your senator and to President Biden. You know, the old guy that said he was dang proud of you. All I need for you is to send a message to them that's one sentence long. That's it. Pass the Equality Act. 
That's all I want you to say. That's all I want you to write to them. Now, why do this? Because right now, that piece of legislation designed to extend the protections of the 1964 Civil Rights Act to include our rainbow family, continuing the American three to one. Because right now, that piece of legislation is being stymied. A piece of legislation designed to extend the protections of the 1964 Civil Rights Act to include our LGBTQ American family. No American shall be denied equal protection under law at all places and at all times. That's the way it should be. But it's being stymied by the same ugly indifference that our community has faced in the past and that indifference that's reemerged now. It's important because inclusion and human rights and the fights for it are what got you to those starting blocks and got you to tow those starting lines and got you on that on that field or that court. And for some of you, it got you all the way to that podium. It's critical because, in, because there's a significant piece of the body politic in this country who want to do in the United States what Viktor Orban is doing in Hungary in regards in trying to outlaw mentions of LGBTQ people in schools and in media and what the current regime is doing in Poland with their LGBTQ free zones and laws that show a general distaste for basic human rights. It's important when you see high-powered anti-LGBTQ lobbies making legislation against the most vulnerable of our community, young people, transgender youth especially. And those bills are spreading like the Delta variant, and they're just as dangerous. So I'm asking all of you Olympians, please, Send that message. If you do more, great. And I'm sure most of you are doing a lot more. But right now, that's all I want. Send that one message to your congressman, your senator, and to the president. Pass the Equality Act. And with that in mind, our guest this week, who's been in the fight. Now, Transathlete.com, the website, clearinghouse run by standout sportsman, activist, and friend of the podcast, Chris Mosier, has a map in an area of the site. And we're going to be putting this map and a link to it on our Twitter and our Facebook pages. But if you look at this map, you see the states that have seen trans student athlete bills passed, put up for review and debated, and defeated. The entire tally, it's 37 states. That's about two-thirds of the country. And one of those states is Montana. Now, earlier in the year, a state legislator in Montana, a certain representative, John Fuller, a man who describes himself as, quote, one who fully endorses the Trump agenda, put forth a pair of the uh, group of anti-trans legislation. One of those is called HB 112, which would ban trans youth from sports consistent with their gender identity in Montana's public schools its, and its universities. That bill passed 
That bill was signed into law by Governor Greg Gianfort on May 7th. But that bill is currently upheld due to one of the many court challenges. Just a note to Governor Gianfort and to Representative Fuller, congratulations, you're being chastised right now. During the process of the hearings, you found that there's a lot of big voices in big sky country who are fighting for trans rights. And one of those was this voice. In many ways, and I cannot state this enough, I am the woman I am today in large part thanks to the sports I played in my youth and the sports I continue to play in adulthood. This legislation would prevent trans youth from getting to experience the joys of sports and from learning the lessons that I know sports can teach. I know firsthand the important lessons that sports can teach. The woman you heard is an activist named Zoe Zephyr. Zoe is a grad student at the University of Montana, studying literary criticism and creative writing. They're also a university administrator at the school. And they are also a human rights activist with political aspirations in the, ele in the coming election year of 2022. And they've been one of the steadfast voices that's showing that even in the red states and the purple states, the trans rights fight is alive and well. And that voice is joining us right now. We're going to beam, beaming up direct from Montana. Zoe Zephyr's here. Energize. Hello. Hi. It's good to be here. It's good to get a chat Zoe, with you. It's good. Zoe, it is finally good to have you here in the transporter room. Before I begin, quick molecule check. You know, this transportation thing's relatively new. Um, I'm continuing to study the owner's manual on it. We just want to make sure that things like, you know, no terra firma Zoe Zephyrs come through, no evil Zoe Zephyrs come through, you know, like Zoe, like a Zoe Zephyr devil who's a turf coming through. We don't want yeah, that. I don't think she's there. There might be a Zoe Zephyr back where you brought me from, but that's a question for another night. So well, I'm here now. Well, <laughs> well, one thing I do want to get out of the way. In fact, this is this is policy, especially since there was a misgendering issue at the Olympics. I'm going to ask what the pronouns are. They're she, her. Very good. Uh, what I'm are a, yours? I'm a she, her as well. So Beautiful. Okay, right. This is something that doesn't happen every day, too. She, hers. There you go. Well, Zoe, first off, before we get into the brass tacks of having you here, did you get a chance to watch a little, any or a little, even a little bit of the Olympics? You know, just a touch. It was one of those things that I was like, uh, staying on the periphery of just, uh, out of, um, caution's not the right word. Um, but I knew that there was a lot going on with, with trans athletes being there. Um, and I was doing kind of neck deep in policy work at the local level. So it was like, okay, take an, take an ear to the news, then pop back out, take an ear to the news. Okay, good for Simone Biles, pop back out. Let's go Quinn, pop back out. And then so bits and pieces, but I never, I wasn't glued to the TV like I used to be. You got to Just, see a little bit of it, but then you got in, you pop out, out you got in, you pop back out a little bit. And, it was moderation. <laughs> nothing wrong with a little bit of that. But I'm now one thing, what were your thoughts on, for example, checking out, a check, seeing a Quinn and seeing a Laurel Hubbard and seeing Alana Smith just getting in the mix and getting in the fray? So uh, I'm a big soccer uh, buff. Um, and so uh, I went to college out at the University of Washington in Seattle. 
And um, uh, so my teams are the Seattle Sounders and the OL Reign. And so I cheer for for Quinn on a regular basis. Um, and so it was awesome to see them uh, <laughs> pull out the gold with Canada. Somebody tipped me off to it. And I want to give love to that, to the person from Canada who sent me an email. Yes, I am ordering a Quinn jersey. Do it. Yes, Do I am it. ordering one. They're selling Team Canada jerseys and you're putting numbers on them. So no, there's a number five. It's going to have my name on it. I'm going to I'm going to pay homage to them. That first game against Japan, the opener. I made sure that two alarms were set to get up and watch that cuz it was at 4 in the morning here in here where I am in the East Coast. Yeah. And it was just great to see them get out there. And but not only get out there, but also Quinn had an excellent tournament. They started every match. They played hard. There was a lot of sliding tackles. They played their part well. Very happy for them. Very excited. Um, and yeah, just <laughs> can't wait no. to get back and give them a little homecoming parade. Uh, watch them from afar when they go back to OL. And now, as far as the year it's been for you so far, you've been, you've had. There's been a lot to fight about in Montana. There was the HB one twelve, HB one thirteen. There's also the Senate bills that were fought over. Yeah. First off, what got you involved in this in the fight here? What what what's what led you to say, Zoe? I got Zoe. You got to get in this. That's a really good question. Uh, I think in terms of getting of testifying, uh, it was it was terrifying to jump into it, and it was terrifying because um, I had been. Uh, stealth in my transition. I hadn't really, uh, like some friends knew, but publicly no one really knew that I was uh, trans. And so it was a very conscious decision to say, okay, now I'm going to not just do this, but do this at a place that is like openly hostile <laughs> to trans people um, and put your name in a place where it will... Um, be etched into the public record. In 2020, um, I had ended up uh, through knowing some friends, um, uh, fellow queer friends from Pride and whatnot, uh, ended up working uh, security at a handful of the protests over the summer, um, basically tracking neo-Nazis as they tried to infiltrate uh, George Floyd protests um, and being involved with that community uh, you very quickly, like people who were, were talking and people who were doing on the ground work would reach out to everyone who had been there. Cause it was like, okay, you're the kind of pe people who are, you know, boots on the ground, uh, activists. Um, and so that's, uh, that was kind of my inspiration and courage to try to go in and do it. And then I realized we didn't really have trans athletes talking about this. There aren't a ton a ton of us and there's not a ton of us in Montana um, and outside of uh, Juniper Eastwood who had run uh, division one track um, trans gal who'd run division one track uh, for the university of Montana. Um, there wasn't anyone else talking. And so I thought I'd be a voice and off I went. <laughs> With that in mind, having hadn't have a had a chance to talk to and meet Juniper Eastwood. And by the way, Jun Juniper, if you're listening, hey, how you doing? Hope that hey, I know you want to do that distance and that trail running thing. I'm not, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm working on it. How much has 
what Juniper's done at the university level and and the success that she had in the big, especially in the Big Sky Conference Championships back in 2020. How much of that has influenced the debate? In terms of the the uh, anti-trans uh, contingent, uh, I don't think Juniper has done much to sway them either way. Uh, they there was hate in their hearts before she was running uh, track and field, and there's hate in her in their hearts after she's graduated. Um, they will pick a boogeyman uh, wherever they will find it, and and so I'm not concerned about the impact she had on uh, their bigotry. Um, I think in terms of the positivity, you know, uh, the thing I think about is like, there are, whether the Montana government likes it or not, there are trans youth in Montana who want to be athletes and want to compete. And so, you know, she juniper um and other activists may have swayed some people's hearts but i think by and large they do what good queer elders do and they show queer youth that there's a future that you can make it through and and live the life you want january 18th 2021 and here you are you're getting on zoom uh, that was the zoom call before you spoke Barbara Earhart spoke. Beth Stalzer spoke. You know, the official transphobe of the 2020 Summer Olympics, as as we like to call her here at the transporter mm-hmm. room. And, of course, John Fuller saying what he said. What was going through your mind as you were hearing them? Um, so, uh, I, I, I like to say that um, they didn't, like fill me with fear or anything because they talk about trans people in such like a cartoonishly villainous way that it didn't quite feel I, I didn't feel attacked in the way that I thought I might have been um every time Fuller raised his hands and screamed biological males I was like oh, oh wow those things sound scary. Um, anyways, I'm going to go, I'm going to go out here and talk about, you know, my life as a, as a woman. Um, and, uh, so there was that, but then also it's scared, you know, I was focused on my own, like, okay, the world's going to know that you're trans and what your story is and God, I hope this helps. I went in and I looked at like, okay, what quotes have people pulled over the Twitter, over the Twitter verse. And then I started getting messages from people who'd been listening. And I just kind of reveled in that for a little bit. I knew more people were talking. Um, and I, uh, TBH, I muted them for a little bit and just kind of took in what had happened and took in, uh, you know, some bigotry but also, you know, kids up in the Flathead Valley, which is a much smaller area of Montana that, you know, they had a, like a queer youth uh, um, contingent that was watching that um, hearing and hearing from them was, you know, made me feel like it was all worth it. And like listening to those things was, uh, was how I, how I dealt with the aftermath of having um, something like that. 
one thing that struck me is is that every every major population center in Montana has a has one a very fertile community, and secondly, they've been able to put ordinances in place. They've been able to win fights. Yeah. When you meet, when you kind of meet up and talk to say other activists around the country, is that the is that the predominant misconception that many people hold in in your view that that there isn't a mounting resistance when in fact there's a there looks to be a strong one? Yeah, uh, I think for me the biggest thing, and this is this is true basically anytime you're out of the the major metro um, centers or are states that have sort of firmly entrenched queer rights, um, is there's this notion of like uh, that it's like a coin flip that you know you're a state that's that cares about its queer community or you're a state that doesn't and that can be true at the like upper levels but a lot of these people are as you said you know who's voting for these people 55 to 60 percent of the the state there's 40 to 45 percent of the state who's vehemently voting against that and there's not much difference between us and a state that is voting 60 percent um on the right side of history, um, at least in terms of on the ground people doing the work. So that is a misconception that you have to fight um, at the at the like national level, um, and it, it's always hard when you um, you know you hear notions of like, well, those states, you know, oh, we'll just let them let them sink, let the red states get what they voted for, and it's like, no, no, there are our communities are are here. And there was a study released a couple days ago that shows that the major metros in Montana have higher than the national average percentage of queer people in those, uh, in those counties. So my home in Missoula, it's, it's a, it's a queer haven. What has this time been like for the commute, for the community that you're closest to in regards to, and even up to the bill being signed? Um, so I think there's, there's two ways to look at that. And the first is that like the community's scared, um, you know, there's this sense of Missoula in particular as, you know, if you're queer in Montana, it's the place you go. It's the place you go. Cause it's <laughs> not gonna lie. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Um, it's a great town. Um, but a lot of the people who are seeing this are scared about, okay, will Missoula, you know, will this bastion of, uh, you know, <laughs> queer, uh, uh, queer people, will it fall? Um, and one of my, so I've been doing uh, municipal legislation work throughout this year. Um, and my co-activist um, in that fled the state. She's now helping to write laws for Missoula from Washington because she was scared about what was going to happen to her um, as a trans woman in this town. Was there ever a point where you consider, no, I need out of here. Washington, Oregon, California, anywhere, I need out of here. You know, I'd be lying if I said no. Um, I've had a lot of, uh, there's a, my kitchen table uh, has had a lot of uh, breakdowns um, where there's been um, tears about, okay, is Montana a place that is 
safe for me. You know, I started my transition here and I had all of my college friends from Seattle say, come back, do not transition in Montana. It's going to be dangerous. Um, but I think by and large, those were fleeting fears. Um, I, I, I'm, I am blessed and privileged in a lot of ways to have a good quality job. Um, and to have not faced a ton of uh, direct hate out in the public. Um, and so uh, for me, it felt like, especially after testifying and after doing the in-person testimony, it was like, okay, I'm actually kind of good at this. And we, we need someone here who can do this. So here we go. How often do you shake your head and say, the hysteria that you people are trying to sell just isn't the reality on the ground? What, I mean, what's the real in regards to trans youth who want to say play sports for their school? What is, what's the real situation? The real situation is Montana's a small state. Uh, Montana's a state of, you know, a million and some change. Uh, and how many of those, you know, are in elementary, middle school and high school and how many of those are trans and how many of those trans people, uh, want to participate in athletics? Uh, the answer is there's not a ton of us. The reason they're going after Juniper Eastwood, um, or to be honest, the reason they're going after cases nationally and failing, like, I think, uh, there was an interview with Fuller where someone directly asked him, can you name anyone uh, outside of Juniper Eastwood? Uh, <laughs> and he's like, oh. um, and I think that's the reality is a lot of the trans people who are playing sports in Montana are playing so under the radar. And that's, you know, that's true, whether you're playing in elementary school or middle school or high school. And it's certain like, I play on intramural teams and it's true for me. No one says anything. No one cares. And I think that's the reality. Who are some of the activists that you're working with in Montana that you look up to that you say, hey, people around the country need to know who these people are and know the, the resistance they're putting up? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so first and foremost, I'm going to give a shout out to... Uh, the uh, co-activist who's been writing legislation with me in Missoula, uh, Evelyn Wall. Um, she's currently out in Washington um, and is uh, a dynamo um, of an activist. Um, amazing. Uh, second, uh, indigenous trans man uh, activist, uh, uh, Stephen Bear, um, Two Teeth. Um, is doing phenomenal work and was doing organizing work, um, organizing work during George Floyd protests and doing organizing work at the, at the um, hearings at the Capitol. Phenomenal. Um, and then uh, Zuri Moreno um, and Izzy Milch are two others who are doing uh, quieter work, but behind the scenes are, are making things happen here and I think those are, you know, there are big names at the at the ACLU, and there are big uh, there are people who've been doing work at the state level. But I think those local organizers are the ones for me who are uh, 
are pushing a lot. Uh, Dandelion Clover uh, and uh, Paxton McCausland as well. You hear that noise, yet the red alert noise. You know what that means. We got to take a break and pay some bills, and we got to say, we got to like give love to the sponsors. But when we come back, we're gonna get a little bit. We're gonna get a little bit deeper with Zoe's effort, talking about the past, the future, and we have a first class world championship nerd on the show. We'd be remiss if we aren't gonna get some nerd geek stuff going on. I'm Carly Chardonnay-Webb. This is the Transporter Room. Stay with us. And welcome back to the Transporter Room. Carly Chardonnay Webb back with our guest Zoe Zephyr, human rights activist, trans rights activist, fighting the battle of the big sky in Montana. And Zoe, well, first off, since we talked about all the different things that you've been doing, now one one big thing you're going to be doing is it looks like you're going to be throwing your hat in the ring. Yeah, uh, I will be running for the Montana House of Representatives in 2022 um, for the next cycle. Um, there is There are term limits in Montana's House of Representatives, and the person in my district is termed out. And I will be, uh, be running next year, and I'll be an- announcing my campaign in probably the next month or so in terms of the website and all of that jazz. Um, but yeah, it will be, I'd been working on local legislation, local human rights legislation in Missoula and felt like, uh, this, I was capable of doing this and there was a need in the state and why the hell not? So we're throwing our hat in the ring and we're going to try to, um, as, uh, uh, Bryce Bennett, um, who was, who has just, uh, given up his Senate seat. He was the first gay man elected to the uh, um, Montana State Legislature. Um, as he said, if you are not in the room, they talk about you. And once you get in the room, they have to talk with you. And I feel like uh, having a trans person in the room um, would be really valuable <laughs> for these conversations. Even at this embryonic stage in a campaign, have you thought about, I could be joining Say I could be joining Sarah McBride. I could be joining Dana Carome. I could, I could be one of the very few right now trans elected officials in this country. That could happen. Has that even seeped in your mind just a little bit? Um, you know, yes, but not in like a oh I could be this sort of way, and more like a oh God, is that oh God, that's going to be a thing. Like that'll be you know. Uh, I think I was sitting in a park with my best friend and we looked at each other and said, that's, that's history book shit. Um, <laughs> and, much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, I have reached out to uh, the um, people who are uh, trans and in the legislature um, and uh, asked them for advice um, on on how you handle these kinds of things. Um, but I think by and large, uh, 
it helps so much to focus on, okay, what kind of change do I want to want to make? What do I want to do policy wise? Um, and then if you focus on that stuff, uh, it, it keeps the sort of scarier things about what will the backlash from the far right people in Montana be? What is the sort of implications of being the first trans person elected to Montana legislature? You just, you, you cut through that and you cut through that with the things you want to do and the changes you can you want to help make. Um, so. Yeah. As, as Danica Rome says, I do one thing. I pass bills. And that is that is the perfect way to do it. In fact, in many ways, out in Virginia, she's known she's known she's known for transportation. Yeah, mm -hmm. the things she's doing with infrastructure are just unreal. Now, uh, yeah, now Which is one a big thing, thing out here as well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one thing I find very interesting is going back to earlier in the interview when you talked about, and here you are talking about here you are you're going to be running for office and you put yourself out there. And you were running shields up months before. You you said you were stealth. You didn't want at the first. You was like, no, I just want to fly under the radar. I got this. No one needs to know. Ultimately, what was there? Was there one thing or a combination of things that in a sense kind of kind of changed that or changed you know, that focus? I think it was like it was like transitioning itself where I was, I kept, you know, before I transitioned, uh, I sat there and I was like, can I do this? Am I strong enough to do this? Will I be able to be the kind of woman I want to be? And will the world accept me in a way that at least is enough that I can, can walk with my head held high. And, uh, you know, I transitioned at 30, so I was scared. I was really scared. Um, and I think it was like that when I was wondering, oh my gosh, well, I'll be throwing away my stealth status or I'll be, you know, you can't not put that lid back on. Like like transitioning itself, once I, once I made the leap, it was like, okay, that's not that hard. This is not, it's not as scary as I thought thought it was going to be I still feel great I still feel me and uh, if anything I feel more empowered to go to our city council and our mayor and to senators and representatives and kick the door in and say hey I'm Zoe Zephyr and you're going to listen to me about trans rights and what needs to get done in this state and in this city and I take it that extends also at least to some ball fields these days because they playing in a real soccer yeah. Were you telling me that? Have you had a chance to get out there, you know, like the, the, during this summertime and whatnot? You know, uh, yes. Uh, up until the smoke hit Missoula um, and it's, we're in a little valley and it's been, it's finally cleared up again. But, um, uh, but yeah, I play local games of pickup on the weekly and then I will be, uh, I will be, uh, Breaking the law this fall. I will be on a women's intramural soccer team. Well, the law's been holed over, so technically you're not yeah, breaking. Uh, technically, <laughs> uh, technically not yet. Um, but I will be. 
I will be on an intramural soccer team this fall doing what I love to do, which is uh, kick a soccer ball around and pretend I'm in better shape than I am. <laughs> oh, I can, so. I, can <laughs> I can relate to that one too. We're going to set the way back machine for a second. We're going to go back about, about 15 years or so. Back to when Baby you Zoe. Were, when you were, well, when you were playing a sport and you were playing at a level where you were getting attention from the next level, when you were getting collegiate attention for what you did, what was that like? And also dealing with all the inner feelings, if you were feeling them at that time, how did you cope? How did you balance? How did you survive? Um, you know, I, I, I talked in my testimony, I talk about the sign that hung over the edge of our wrestling room, um, that said every day I leave this room, a better wrestler and a better person than when I entered. Um, and about the fact that everyone on the team was supposed to slap that sign on the way out. And the coach said, if you don't believe you've become a better wrestler, stay, stay behind. Don't slap the sign, stay here. We will drill. We will work it out. Uh, and if you don't believe you've become a better person, stay here and we'll sit down and we'll talk about it and we'll hash out. We will work through what you need to work through. And I think for me, uh, you find yourself so focused on becoming like I really bought into that mentality and it's a mentality I, I hold to, to this day. And so you find yourself like focusing so hard on those things that you, you know, try to block out any larger uh, narratives. And I know for me at the start of my, you know, little baby Zoe in high school was, um, you know, in her spare time, working real hard to to keep all of the, you know, uh, the queer feelings down because we were still wrestling with a lot of uh, um, internalized uh, homophobia and transphobia um, brought about by a religious upbringing. And so we were trying to uh, <laughs> deal with those feelings, but also ignore them. Um, and <laughs> to, I would say middling success. Um, and so, uh, by and large, you found yourself, uh, just trying to be better. And I think what happens is that the lessons that I learned there when I was ready to come out, they were there for me. And when I was ready to say, what does it mean to become a better person today? And then all of a sudden it was like, well, you're queer and you know that, and you have known that. And why have you been hiding it? It's like, okay, that's, let's take that step. And let's, that meant opening up to my bisexuality in my twenties. And it meant opening up to my transness in my late twenties. Um, but so I wasn't, I wouldn't have come out to myself at 18, maybe if I had the words, um, but the lessons were what I needed for, for me in my 20s. Very important thing you just said there. If I had the words, how do you feel about the fact that now a younger generation, 
say that same kid now who may be slapping that sign at some school anywhere now perhaps has vocabulary. It is one of the best gifts um, for this generation to have. Um, to have not had the word trans in my head uh, is probably the reason I didn't transition uh, until as late as I did. And I think youth now, they have the vocabulary and it is a game changer in terms of being able to have the conversations in your head that you have to have. And then also to be able to come out to people into a community who has heard the words enough that there will not be, there will not likely as be as much societal whiplash. Um, so that's the first thing. And then after that, the job is to get out of their way. And so we saw, you know, part of the fight at the state legislature was saying, okay, these bills, the kids know, like, you're going to say, oh, they're 16 or they're 14. They don't have knowledge about who they are. It's like, no, trust me, we do. We did. Um, get out of the way. And uh, the fight now is making sure that the people who know are able to um, to take the steps they need to take. How did sports pay, play a role in your process going forward, if it has? So, you know, first and foremost, like I said, it was, you know, the, the lessons of wanting to be a better person every day, which is something I carried into my professional life. Uh, once I was ready to have the conversation about coming out to myself, uh, that voice in my head is, okay, what does it mean to be a better version of Zoe? It's like, okay, well, here's what it means. You got to take these steps because that's what it means to be the, the woman you want to be. And so that was first and foremost, uh, you know, the role sports played. And then on, you know, after I transitioned or, you know, after it was farther into my transition, it was a, you know, you're looking for, I am an anxious person. And there's always those like, okay, well, will my friends accept me? Will my family accept me? Will, will the bar I go to for karaoke or, uh, you know, we have a barcade in town. Will that place accept me? Um, you, there's always those questions of what are the places where I will be okay to be me? And the sports field is a scary version of that. And so, I jumped, I did not play sports until I updated my ID a year into my transition. And jumping back in after that was like terrifying. And then it was like, oh, wait, the place you thought might be the scariest is actually one of the safest places you've ever felt um, in terms of being yourself. No, I have never had a teammate say anything. I've never had an opponent say anything. Um, and it's been uh, grounding in in a way in that every piece of sort of the, um, you know, the stained glass painting of my womanhood um, gets, you know, gets in place. And it's like, okay, no, that's, yeah, that's still there. I can still do these things. I can still, the person I am 
isn't gone. Um, she's just, she's here and she's loved. And that's, uh, takes courage to find out, but has been really wonderful. One thing I, oh, I ask, especially a lot of people who have moved forward in their transition, I, I'll admit this is, this is host looking for advice here. How do you deal with the past? Because you had one. It was a successful one. There may be people that still remember. How do you deal with that? How do you compartmentalize it? What do you take with you forward? What do you keep behind? How have you, how have you mitigated that? I think the thing that I have sat with that, uh, and this may be different for, you know, every trans person has a different way of thinking about their past and thinking about what it means to be trans and, you know, conversations of like born in the wrong body is that language that feels appropriate for various people. And for me, I really like my past and it, it brought who it brought the woman who's sitting before you today. It made her who she is. And I think for me, what I have done uh, is I exclusively refer to myself in the past as Zoe. My, my girlhood was the girlhood of a trans girlhood. Like that was, you know, of a trans girlhood who had not come out to anyone. And that's a very specific subset of feelings that for me, um, haha, there was a lot of trauma there, but also it shaped who I am today. Um, and so I, I sort of embraced that side of things. Um, you know, uh, that said, uh, for all of my like friends, I'm very clear, like never, you know, you know, Zoe going forward, you'll do that. And if you're going to try to not do that, then we're going to have a problem. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that's f for me, the biggest thing that, that made the, the history um, side of things easier. No, that is something I definitely relate to just dealing with that, dealing with what you dealing with what you were. And I kind of say it the way you say it, that it is, um, it is very much, I mean, that's who I, that's who I was. And yeah, being proud of being proud of that past. No, I can see that. Another thing I have a vision of is you at the barcade. So I want to know <laughs> what game do you go to at the barcade? What is the go? What's the, what's the Zoe go to? Yes. We're oh, going to no. keep part of the program. Oh now. gosh. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the, Zoe Zephyr is really, really, really good at Super Smash Brothers. Um, oh, and that's digging. You're uh, you're digging deep. That you're getting back in there for a minute. Zoe, uh, Zoe used to play it competitively, um, uh, and so uh, Zoe goes and plays it at the bar and hustles drinks off of people. <laughs> um, so that's my go-to game. At the barcade, they have it on a big screen monitor. Um, and Super Smash Brothers. Now that's yeah. I was in college when that game came out. <laughs> see, you're you're see, 
You're making play- me feel old at that okay. moment. <laughs> we we also play a lot of Pac-Man, uh, for what it's okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just make me, oh, thank you. Just make me feel ancient now. No, I I love old school '80s arcades because that's what that's what brings that's what brings back the it brings back the childhood. It also brings back some of the eggiest moments of my life. So I would video games me, anime me, and I know anime you. Yeah. So what yep. do you grew? So what do you groove into? Oh goodness. Um. So what am I? So right now, not to just like. You know, I talked about like, oh, you'd be the first trans woman or trans person elected to the Montana state legislature. I'd also probably the, be the first like straight up weeb. Um, so, uh, <laughs> weeb's in office. I that yeah, did, I approve that message. Yeah. So right now, I'm running through a lot of the summer 2021 uh, shows to see if they're any good, um, and then also. Uh, you know, I binge, you know, when I'm feeling down or when I've got time, I, I binge some old sports animes that I really like. And then like my okay, comfort I gotta know, animes. sports animes. What do you, okay. What, what were you binging? Okay. Uh, I am a sucker for, uh, Yuri on ice, uh, and Kuroko no basket. Um, <laughs> so I, good ones right there. Yeah. Um, there, there's some, there's some trash uh stuff uh i've been watching like like oh it's like how much did those dumbbells weigh and like um other just terrible like very mediocre sports anime um uh but those two uh um kroko and yuri are are probably my two my two faves i i say that i i just am fresh off of haikyuu so like I read I read the manga for that, and so I'm like real. I'm like still like crying over the ending, um, but and I watch my comfort stuff uh, like a place further than the universe um, is a go to for me, and then, you know, your big shonens. No, no, you're yeah. See, I'm I'm with you on some of the sports anime because, for example, some of the Amer- the American football anime is just no. They need me as a technical consultant. <laughs> yeah, you need somebody that actually played a little bit of football to write. I Shield Twenty One. You need me because I actually played this freaking game. Yeah, <laughs> and there's like, uh, oh god, Iwaka. Keru, Iwakeru, the like rock climbing anime. There's um there's like Harakana to see, there's like a beach volleyball, girls' beach volleyball anime. I kinda like that. Yeah, me <laughs> I too. I kinda like that. Like, like I am enjoying it, but I'm always like, you know, like there are anime like like Haikyu. Haikyu gets volleyball right. Like uh, yeah, my my family played volleyball, so I watched it a lot growing up, and it was very like it was like okay, they know what they know what they're doing when it comes to this, um, and so I always appreciate that uh, in the um, in the sports animes. Um, well, having been a sports reporter for like a long time, I appre- especially doing a lot of college sports. I like when you do a sport like volleyball because I love it when you do it right. Be it in a movie, be it animated, be it whatever, that will fire me up because, like, dang, you're getting the sports right. 
you're getting this sports right. There's also this fun part about like, I love, listen, I'm a sucker for, you know, my hero and other big battle shounen. Uh, But sometimes I like when the stakes feel so intense, but really aren't that big of a deal. Like a sports anime is always nice because it's like, you know, this is a big deal because we're going to try out for the, you know, volleyball national championship. But honestly, we're just trying to become better, better humans and grow together as people and become, you know, the people we want to become. And it's like, yeah, you, you go. I love all of you. <laughs> um, so it's the same thing that draws me to like a place for the universe and other uh, Moe things like that, which is kindness and, and helping. Is that what the Zoe Zephyr anime would be like? I think so. Honestly, it's, I, you know, I'd love to be like, Zoe Zephyr is a, you know, bombastic battle shonen babe. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm boring Moe, cute as, uh, cute as a button, uh, trying to, you know, better my friends and better myself along the way. Um, so that's my, that's my niche. <laughs> so, so in other words, you're straight up about, so if we were to build your, if we were to build the Zoe anime character, it would be all, it would be all out ultra instinct ass kicker. You know, I will say, fueled by the power of friendship, like all good anime. <laughs> so, in other words, we're going to get like Battle Shonen Magical Girl hybrid type thing going. Are we going to like kind of cross streams? I'm living for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Because I am, I will say, my anime type is all out Magical Girl. I See, I would love, I would love to do a, I see a, to, to me, a dream anime would be a Sailor Moon Aikyuu 21 hybrid, except we get the football, except we get the football right. <laughs> Can we get, yeah, so like, like picture Kuroko no Basket, where they all have like basketball related superpowers, but like Kuroko no Basket, but magical girl transformations. That's what See I, that's, that's the, that's the vibe we're looking for. That's what I did on my TikTok when I turned 50. <laughs> I did the magical girl transformation. So I love that. But the map, but a weeb. We need. We could use weebs in office. We could use dorks in office. We could use people who played video games a long time in office. Our society is getting a lot more queer. It's getting a lot more queer adjacent, even with the difficulties that we're having. And look at the Olympics. One hundred and eighty-three out athletes. That that tripled. Four years that tripled five years ago. I mean, even with all those things, when you look at this, even with the difficulty, even with the fires in Oregon and California and climate change and these bills and the John Fullers of the world, in a sense, how much hope are you carrying into an average day? Still. You know, I think uh, you know, I was a high level athlete. Uh, and I think like all high level athletes, you go into every match and every moment thinking you're going to win. And I go into every day thinking that we're going to win this fight and that we're going to stop the bad laws and we're going to pass 
some good laws and not laws that are just signals about how much we want, you know, diversity and equity and inclusion in our communities, but money on the ground, helping people types of laws. Um, I believe that every day I wake up feeling that way. And I think the moment you stop believing that is the moment, the moment you need to question why you're trying to be an activist and why you're trying to help your community. Um, because at some level you have to have that champion mentality or you will fall short at the starting line. Well, I already know the starter's gun is, has gone off and you're well out the blocks. Zoe Zephyr, thank you for joining us here in the transporter room. I must say that I had a feeling this was going to be special and it definitely was. Thank you. It was an absolute uh, pleasure. It's great being here and a keep fighting the fight out there. Know that you've got allies back. You've got allies here in the East and you definitely have allies here at Outsports on a personal note. Learned a lot from this. Thank this you. was a great I mean, this is this was this was some this was some much needed girl time for me and I appreciate it. And I'm gonna tell you we want you back. Especially as you go through the ups and downs, rough and tumble of this campaign and and the fight is ahead. Even with the court case, we know it's not over. We know it's not over out there. So, And we know that, hey, you're one of those people fighting the fight. So thank you again for being with us and keep doing what you're doing out there. Thank you so much for having me. You're fighting the fight and I'll be, I'm grateful for everyone, you know, on the ground in Montana doing the work and for everyone around the country who is supporting us well speaking of getting on the ground we're going to get you back on the ground energize and get you back down there and thank you again zoe zephyr for being a part of the transporter room this week and also thanks to all of you for being a part of the transporter room this week and just a reminder if there's anything you want to see or anything you want to say about what i'm doing here please Leave a message on, on our Facebook page. Leave a message on our Twitter page. Because everything we've done and everything we're doing, especially in this recent beautiful time with the Olympics just passed and with the Paralympics ahead and in the future, everything we're doing, we do for you, the people who support me and support this effort. I'm Carly Webb. Live long and prosper. Steady as she goes. I'll see you next week.